Sean Connery was a dog. Connery has such a unique charm to him. You want to ki kiss him right now. <laughs> Dude, I can't take it. Welcome back to the Magical Mandatory Min... <laughs> This is, I don't, I honestly don't know. I was going to do it and you decided to jump the gun. I, in my mind, I thought, this is welcome weird. back to this the. Is, okay, not only do you have a incredible history of not doing it right, but this is week three in a row that you open and you always go magical mandatory. No, not in the row. Three in a row. I, all the three times you've opened recently, it's every single time, magical honestly, mandatory. Honestly, I single thought time. of the right intro, and then I thought, no, that's the wrong one. I need to do the other one so that I don't mess up, and that was the right one. All right, in the spirit of you messing up at the beginning, will you welcome the people? Yeah, welcome back to the Wacky Wonderful Wise Works podcast. It was my fault. <laughs> um, you know, it was my, I, ever since I said, we need to have a thing we open up the podcast with. Yes. And then, and then I don't me. think, you, you've done it right a few times, but more often than not, you mess it up. Yeah. Do I, don't, I don't know why. I don't you know. Feel, you feel a lot lower. This I, that's what I said. <laughs> you pull your chair them. up. You did take them. I asked that before the podcast And Joshua, started. Gl glance at the headroom at that camera right quick. Where, I know this is, this is a little... How's the headroom? He's fine. He's fine. Am I up? Yeah, bring bring down just a touch though. Like right. just a, just a real touch right there. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. Put a, put a mic right out to the side. Right there. Thank well, you. Well, welcome the back everybody. Hey, you good guys, gals, geeks, and goofballs. We're glad you're here on this Monday morning. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you want to join us on Patreon, you can do so. So you guys watched, uh, I don't know. Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy Volume 3. Volume three. Uh, so without spoiling, since it's not, no, we're not no, doing an no. official review here. Yeah, we, we don't have to spoil it. Why are we always not going to get a spoil? Because you guys watch movies, and on my week doing the podcast, like you watch a movie I, I haven't seen, and then uh, you expect to come on here and just tell me all the details? We won't spoil it. Um, but we will say... Look, spoil like 25% of it, but um, don't spoil yeah, all I'll, 100. I'll spoil, spoil 75. No. I mean, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not spoiling any. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay who okay. cares about the spoil? Just give so, your... What you're going to say. My thing is about the movie, it's very much similar to the first and second mm -hmm. in that it's like the first and second, you know, took all the crazy mm -hmm. and had a baby and put it into the third one. Really? Yeah. It's the it's a lot of the same stuff we're familiar with. Mm -hmm. So the whole movie feels like Guardians. Yeah. Um. It just feels like a fever dream of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, kind of, dang it. kind of. Kind it's of a dream. little fever um, dreamy. So more things happening than characters. Than characters. Uh, than character development. development. Things I, are, like they, they're just things are happening to them and they have to react to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, As opposed to the characters motivating the things that happen. I got through seventy percent of the movie and I was like. Okay, this is not the best Guardians, but it's also not a bad movie comparatively what Disney has been doing. Mm -hmm. So I accept this as a Guardians movie, and then the last 30%, I'm like, no, this is dumb. This is dumb. The ending, <laughs> I, I think the ending fell flat. Yeah. <clears throat> I think they made some decisions with the ending that did not work. Uh, I also th think they, 
made some character development decisions yeah. that just they just straight up missed opportunities. Okay. Yes. Certain things like yeah. like having certain characters who are supposed just to be spoil. who are you talking about? Heroic. I'm talking about Adam Warlock. Okay. Yes. Adam <laughs> Warlock was very basic compared I, to what I, I thought he was going to be. There was a, there was one moment in particular. Yeah. Um and it's where where he's looking around and there's explosions happening and there's mm. people in danger. Yeah. And I thought this is where they've they've characterized him as not being evil, yeah. as as being like a child. As and being, now he's evil. As being dumb. Well, I saw he, he looks around, he sees people dying. Okay. He sees people in danger. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is the perfect moment yeah. for him to become a superhero. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's what the Marvel movies are about. Yeah. Superheroes. These are superheroes who save people, who help people. Yep. And then he makes a decision which is fine. It makes sense mm-hmm. how they characterized him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and then at at the end he sort of makes a superhero decision. But I thought he was going to become a, a superhero in that moment. Yeah. Right. And and there were a, there were several moments where something happened like that where I was like here's this moment for this character where it characterizes them and they just continue to do something else. Yeah. Right. Right. Um there there wasn't a lot that i hated um with yeah. it um the i think is it the best marvel film from last year and this yes. year oh yeah yes okay um there was only one thing that i i disliked and it's not really spoiling much so i will say it um is the thing that i loved about guardians uh, the, there was good music and I think it was fun it was different for when it came out the first one mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the second one the first one it was different it was space travel it was adventure it didn't have like a through line it just was them going and doing adventures in space and they could have short adventures and then do the next thing and they could do something and that could be the movie that was fun but the thing that really grasped me and tugged at the pulley strings was <laughs> the scene where everybody is being surrounded by Groot and he says they're like, no, you're going to die. And he goes, yeah. I am Groot. That mm-hmm. was perfect because... Even saying we are Groot. Yes, yes. That, okay, he, yes, that, he did say that. That thing, that kind of bothered me when he did that. No, it felt good. I, it, it felt great. It bothered me because for the same reasons... Why I'm about it, to say. Of what you're about to say is because you don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. It, even if he just did that and he looked at them all and said, I am Groot, you understand exactly what he's saying. Yes, but... That's always been his thing. I am Groot. I am Groot. He said right. we are Groot one time, but that I am Groot. Okay. At the end of this movie, there was a heartfelt moment which I wasn't really in. It didn't. It didn't drag me into it. And then Groot says, "I love you guys." That was what he said, right? Mm-hmm. He says, "I love you guys." He changes it up, and I was like, "That was unneeded." He could have said. We are. He could have done the exact same thing. He said, "We are Groot again," and you or, knew exactly. And what you would he was have known saying. exactly what he said. But they had to say, "I love you guys." Change the script. And Change it the after, changed after it up. They spent, and it wasn't after needed. they spent an like entire it. movie of yes. Gamora being like, "How are you guys understanding what he's saying?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, she has a moment where she kind of like 
he says, I am Groot, and she understands what he says. Yes. And she's like, oh, I I get it. I understood what he said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it it, it, it messed that up. It messed were, up. Interesting. So the ending kind of the, – the ending kind of sucks. But <laughs> Rocket's storyline – The Rocket story was good. Rocket's Rock- story was probably one of That one would of be the, the only – only reason I would recommend someone go watch it, I think other than that, I would say no, don't really watch it. It's not worth so, it. So Bradley Cooper got a lot of uh, voice time in this movie. Yes. It, was, it wasn't It was Bradley Cooper's true voice, but yeah, it was Bradley Cooper, I it, think. It, it the, the Rocket story was some of the best storytelling I've seen. Yeah. But the movie also has some of the worst storytelling I've seen. <laughs> it just, like it sometimes doesn't know when to stop. Yeah. It sometimes doesn't know when to – and then, you know, the first one where the music kind of accentuates everything that's happening. They – And you remember the music. Yeah. Even the second one, I was agree. I was humming and singing songs to from Guardians, music. you know, days after I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Because the music uh, – Sticks with you. Sticks with you and it motivates what's happening <laughs> in the story. Right. The music in this one doesn't. Dude, doesn't it motivate was, it. The first, I would there say, was like a couple the first songs couple that songs worked, that worked, but the majority of them were like, we have to put the nostalgic music in here, even though you don't contextually really, yeah, doesn't fit. It doesn't fit, and it shouldn't. Mm. Um, yes, yeah. There was a lot of stuff where it's like, oh man, this is Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, and then stuff where I was like, wow, this feels. Yeah, I, I like, forced <laughs> forced. There were some things that felt forced, and then you know, and then they'll do it, it but it was like. Both extremes. Yeah, right. It was like, this is not really Guardians of the Galaxy. And then Quill turns on No Sleep Till Brooklyn, and they all sort of like slowly turn and start Mm -hmm. slow-mo walking, and Gamora's like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then they're not even saying anything. Mm -hmm. And then she just like rolls her eyes and walks along. I'm like, this is very Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And then they'll do something that's not Guardians of the uh, Galaxy. (laughs) I just want to say one more thing. It's not really with the movie as much. Um, And then we'll give it a rating and then we'll be done. Um, But I – Disney did a lot with this and I wish they would stop doing this. It's not maybe not Disney. It's just Hollywood where they say too much. And if they just leave it very basic, it would be way better for me. Mm -hmm. Where even moments where Groot says, I am Groot. And then Drax goes, he meant – he said this. And it's like – Exposition. We know what he meant by I am Groot. Yes. It was like – He's looking at a character and he says, I am Groot. He know you know exactly what he's mm-hmm. saying. You don't need Drex to to interpret I am I, Groot. I think in there's that certain moment. times when you do. Yes. But, but not every time. But not every time, no. Most of the time you're picking up the, Groot is having an emotional moment with this person and you know what it emotional is. Emotional moments you don't need it. But like even in the f- first movie, mm-hmm. Rocket was kind of his out loud voice. Yes. He'd be like, I am Groot. And Rocket would be like, no, we're them. not going to, you know, open the that work drive. That worked. Yeah, it worked. This, all of them are interpreting for Groot now because he's been around long enough. And so it's like, ah, come on. Groot was fun. And <laughs> now you've, you've kind of just, he's not as fun anymore. And now Groot at the very end, the one scene with him at the very end, mm-hmm. best Groot in the movie. Yeah. Well, that and Kaiju Groot. I liked Kaiju Groot when he like, yeah. Um, I would give it a four out of ten. Okay, that's pretty low. I wouldn't recommend it. I would just say it was if you have 
if you're wasting in an afternoon, you're like, I got nothing else to do. Let's pop this on because I liked the other ones. Do it, but I would not recommend. I'd say I'm going to give it a five just because it has all the Guardian elements, but I don't think I don't think ends the story, ends the Guardian story the way it should be. No, ended. no, no. Okay, and a couple things you guys have said about the writing, you know, that you know, with exposition, unnecessary forced explanation of things, and then also kind of, uh, I was saying this earlier because I actually found a, a podcast that was really interesting. Um, let's see, pints with, uh, wow, what, what is this? <laughs> what is that? A quaint, a Aquinas, yeah, pints with Aquinas. Aquin, Aquin, Aquinas. I don't know. <laughs> it's A Q U I N A S. That could be pronounced so many ways. Right. So, but this guy, he he does a really cool podcast, and um, he posts his podcasts on the live tab. If you're wanting to watch full episodes, the videos tabs is all clips. However, um, a while ago, he did he posted a clip where he had someone I didn't know who it was talking about rings of power just going off on it this is a super fan of tolkien's work right and he brought up an interesting point that i don't think we ever defined because a lot of people just watch rings of power and say it's terrible mm -hmm. all of the decisions were wrong and he said that is actually that is correct because they just butchered the lore but also they're most of hollywood these days and it sounds like similar to what this movie is they are just following this format where things happen and characters react. Whereas mm -hmm. good storytelling is characters make a choice because of a scenario yeah, which leads no the plot as opposed to the plot being something happens to a character so they have to they have to go well, in that direction. I, I'll you say know what I mean? The movie does a lot of emotional based decisions everybody makes emotional based decisions in this mm -hmm, movie mm -hmm. and it does that well and it's not like it's just we're just doing things to do things they all all the characters kind of fit within how they've been characterized in the past and but you can definitely see james gunn trying to do certain things and disney really pushing for certain things and I th i'd say overall i think james gunn got the movie that he wanted mm -hmm. but you can still see disney things happening yeah right uh and i i don't know how much influence they had i know that he really wanted he really had the mm -hmm. kind of plan i would stack this movie against thor love and thunder any day I'd watch this over Thor London. I, I'll <laughs> I mean, say this. Obviously, you guys yeah. hated Thor London. I'll say this. I I would watch this again. I would too. Because there's a lot of stuff I really liked about it. Mm -hmm. They they do a lot of things where they set up a moment and they pay it off. Mm. It's a you know it's really basic setup and payoff. Yeah. But you know but they you do know, it. But it happens. Yeah. Okay. I mean that that's that's good. I I think I'll wait for it to come out on a streamer. And then I'll watch it that, it that I, way. I think there was one joke. I There was a couple jokes that landed. But there was yeah. one that really landed, and it's, you know, you're in love with him. That was funny. That landed that really funny. well. That was funny. Uh, there, Drax has a lot of 
And this Drax is, has a lot of good moments, I would say. Uh, Dave Bautista's coming through. Mm-hmm. Dave Bautista be coming he, through. He, <laughs> no, he gets close. <laughs> at one point, he gets close to Peter, and he starts emoting with his face. Mm. And even through the makeup, you can tell that he's putting on a, just an incredible performance. <laughs> do you think it's just... Uh, and he's really trying to be sincere because he's trying to do yeah, analogies. Just mm-hmm. Dave Bautista tra- wanting to be a more serious actor, that they're giving this to him? No, I... I, I th- think james gunn saw his potential okay i mean yeah. we we know he's a super good I mean, we saw a knock at the cabin his mm-hmm. performance in that oh, is yeah. awesome is he's very good very emotional and brilliant mm-hmm. and so and so different from roles that he plays like in dune you know and, and then contrast that with like the crazy uh you know florida man all tattooed up in uh Glass onion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something I, I actually, let me, I want to give him credit, one more of credit a thing, because we are kind of knocking it a little bit, at least I am. Um, I think when it comes to like romance and the relationship side of this movie, it, to me, it felt good because it didn't feel very girl boss thing, girl bossy, yeah. but yet nobody came together. Drex and Mantis felt like they had a thing and he even like cried at the end but she left and it was she wanted to do her own thing well they've always sort of been like real close friends yes and he was he wanted to go with her but he didn't Mm -hmm. and he cried a little bit and we saw that emotion but that was good and then the same thing with uh gamora their relationship closed there was closure their relationship felt more like it was on peter's side of Mm The analogy that they give is like, you know, you know, you jump from uh, woman to woman like a frog on lily pads <laughs> and you need to just learn how to swim. Nice. Right. And it, it felt less like Gamora needs to be her own person. Mm-hmm. She she doesn't need to define herself by Peter. And it was more like Peter doesn't need to define himself. Yeah. By who he's in love with. Oh, but cool. I, I'm going to give them credit and it didn't feel like. Oh, girl boss, girl I want to just go off and have the romance. It right. felt like there was closure and it felt good. And this is about Guardians, not some other Marvel character in a Guardians movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, yes. that's, that's what it was important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is about the Guardians. Oh, this movie it was very like much Guardians. It felt like something that would happen in real life. Like, that would happen normally. Yeah. And it didn't yeah. feel like a movie thing. Uh, And, yeah, but this movie was very – I and that's the other thing. You could take all three Guardians movies and watch them outside of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you're yeah. not terribly disappointed. And you're not you're not going to miss too much. Hmm. They do explain what happened with Gamora. And so you get that. You understand what happened. Hmm. Um, and Avengers? Yeah. Okay. And so so it's they they kind of Quill kind of like spouts it all out in right. a, in one scene. So you know what happens. Exposition done. Right. So you can watch these without seeing the other yeah. movies, I think. That's probably intentional. But if you haven't seen the Christmas special, they do say um, Mantis says like, oh, you know, Peter's my brother. Well, they talk They talk about that in yeah, the second it, movie. No, they never say that. In the second movie, yes, they No, she says, he well, found me when I was a pupa and he raised me like his own. Ooh. But, but then in the Christmas special, she's like... I don't. I, I don't remember. Her but whole thing I, was I dropping lore in the I Christmas special. No, her whole thing was I need to tell Peter that we are uh, related. 
that we, okay. that I'm actually one of Ego's kids. So you're telling me they they dropped important lore in the Christmas special? Yeah. Nice. But That's fun. it was lore that everybody already already you? assumed was like, oh yeah, they're probably related. Yeah. Nice. Um. That's our thing. I uh, need to make an announcement. The new uh, uh, second, fourth host for our show, Guy Buttersnaps, over here. <laughs> what are you doing? A segment for... <laughs> that, that was the transition? He's yeah, trying, he's trying, trying to... to run your podcast. <laughs> Guy Buttersnaps. You know, I get you. I get you. We're talking... All right, so look. I thought it would have been amazing if it had been Dune was your first fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay, so look, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna hit up Psych, the fourth host. I was just trying to, you know, so tee up. We we haven't. We've over talked here. about Psych a lot on the Midnight Special. Lavender Gumes. <laughs> we've talked. <laughs> we we've talked about Psych a good bit on the Midnight Special. My name is Sean. This is Sean. No relation. <laughs> <laughs> but we've never talked about Psych really on main episodes, right? Yeah, and so I thought we should cover some uh, some information of our personal thoughts around it, and also address the the situation with the psych, the fourth movie. Okay, so they had the fourth movie set up. Peacock was ready to fund it; everything was good, and then the actors couldn't get scheduling in place. Mm-hmm. So that kind of collapsed the whole production. That also removed the approval they had from you know for you know peacock to fund the script and everything so when that falls through then they have to go through the whole process again to get approval for from peacock to they're going to pay for it to make sure that the script is still approved and then do the whole process again so apparently they did all of the groundwork in the pre-production and then it got to production and the scheduling just made the film fall apart mm. so they're uh, they said that they're going to pursue Hopefully not too long. Uh, the fourth movie again. They just have to go through the process. Is straight from James Roday, who does a lot of directing yeah. for the Psych, not just acting. So, um, so that's that's the that's the situation with the fourth movie. What I wanted to throw at you guys because we're big fans of Psych, the show. All yeah. right. I, I not a lot of people loved it, but if you're a psycho, no, there's a lot of hold people on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish okay. my thought, bro. Not a ton no, of a psychos lot of people who liked it. <laughs> Contextually, yeah. I was setting myself up to say not a lot of people like certain things close to the end of the show, like Psych the Musical. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. However, I loved it. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, it was, yeah. I thought yeah, it was I some it. of the best I ever. I liked it. I th- it was all fun. Was fun. And then I they come out with the movies. Ways, the left way and the, the right. only song you remember. <laughs> no, I remember a lot of it. <laughs> it's the right way and the wrong way, not, <laughs> not the left minute. way and the mm-hmm. right way. Uh, you cut me <laughs> off. I'm, I'm blame white. Okay. And then you have. Psych the movie. Mm-hmm. Then you have, I believe it's called Psych Two, uh, Lassie Come Home, and mm-hmm. then the one that came out I think two years ago was it's all about Gus or a Gus story or something, where uh, they talk a little bit about. It. And unfortunately, like the show finished, and then in the movies, Lassiter, the guy who plays Lassiter, had a stroke, and so his character like fundamentally changes, and they mm-hmm. just although he's there and they're really utilizing him. He's really struggling to do the acting thing now, which yeah. is kind of sad to watch. I think he was in another show um, that was like very musical. He was, he was. I'm pretty sure he was in a Broadway play for and a while. He just, yeah. And then that show didn't get picked up, and he was in the Broadway play for that show mm-hmm. as well. Was this before? 
Yeah, before. Before. and this was before. Before, I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there. I don't think he's doing a lot of acting anymore, but since he played such a big role as Lasseter in Psych, they bring him back and throw him in there and just kind of help him through the process. Mm. Uh, but with all that said, there's been three movies. They're looking to do a fourth. Have you guys watched the movies? Have you sampled it at all? I'm pretty sure I've watched all of them. Maybe not the last one, I've but I think, of them. I think I've seen all of them. I, I enjoy it enough to take time to watch them but i don't remember anything about the last so, one i've seen two of them and boy all right so this is not as good is the They're point do we want do we want show. more psych do we want more psych no, movies no that's that's the question no, i'm posing it, i think they kind of gave us a close in a sense with the end of the show being that they yeah. moved to a different city and moved to san francisco that was very emotional but then they tried to do stuff again but they're not in uh what's what, Santa Barbara San, Santa Barbara and it just they don't have the psych work. office yeah they have a new psych office and i know i know there's episodes where they're not in Santa Barbara but it's still that didn't feel like psych so you're right it, there is aspects you're really trying to build the cornerstone of psych around Gus and Sean. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just doesn't land as heavily as the show did. And I think when they, when they said they were making psych movies, I thought like, man, this is going to be like a cinematic psych. You know what I mean? But really it's just, it's kind of a TV movie, mm -hmm. which is the exact yeah. same style of production as the show. It's just that's, ends up being an hour 20 instead that's the of problem. 45 minutes. It, it feels episode. like a TV movie movie yeah it is where where is. the scenes are filmed the same the interactions are filmed the same mm -hmm. at, like it would be filmed for uh, a tv episode right it doesn't feel like and the writing is the same the as writing a TV is episode. A, it's tv show writing it doesn't feel like the way a movie should be written it's there's a clear difference between star trek shows mm. And the Star Trek movies. movies. Yes. You can they work. you can clearly see in, well, in the difference. show mm. in in like, you know, with the original show, it's very episodic. Dialogue is quicker. Mm -hmm. But then you go into the first one or even the, the second one, Wrath of Khan, which is a lot of people's yeah. favorites. And it's a very different kind of thing. It's a movie. It's a film. It's a yeah, it's a film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with this, the it's, movies for this don't. It's feel TV like that. writing for an hour twenty mm. instead of instead of ten episodes of so, forty minute long episodes. Psych the musical, I think, worked. The movies so far have not worked. But was Psych Psych the musical was a longer episode? Yes, as a part of the last season, it was almost like a last season special. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it was and embedded it, inside it, of the. But season. it fit in the lore of. It, it the, where it wasn't, um, but they really went off the rails. I mean, they had mm -hmm. a Mary in Heaven scene. <laughs> well, it, it fit between two other seasons, like where Juliet didn't know, right? Hadn't you know? And so people were confused. But it it fit into the show. It wasn't kind of like outside of the show, right? So it backed up in time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't sequential for the season. It was placed inside of. I think. The only way that the another movie would really like be good and work is if they set up a they focus more on the crime and 
they had some character stuff in there, but they focused on the other ones didn't have as much crime because they wanted to tell the story of the of them. But maybe bring back like yin and yang somehow. Like I think that book is closed. You think? I think I think so. They they, they need- dragged it on and honestly it was kind of a kind of a conclusion that was a bit of a letdown. You know, we yeah. I felt like I wanted something more. So closing that book is a Closing the yin yang narrative is important. I think it was it maybe a, a different type of yin and yang, like a serial killer. Sure. That See, I I always think of when there's this discussion of how do we keep this thing that we love going. Mm. It goes back to a lot of um, uh, the the show Community. Dan Harmon does a ton of commentary in the show about continuing a show. Mm-hmm. About how do you keep a show going? What are you doing? Right. You know, are you changing it to a cartoon? Is it? Is it? Are you? Are you continuing it with a cartoon, or are you continu- continuing it in a dark, sort more uh, a darker side character thing, or are you continuing it with like a buddy cop angle? Right. It's finding a way to continue this show uh, with like a spinoff. Right. And okay, and, and another example: spinoffs and reboots right. and that kind of stuff. And, and that's kind of what these movies feel like. It's like sort of we we need to make more of this thing, and a lot of uh, I think a lot of the time you need to know when something comes to an end. Sure, but I think I think it needs to be tested. All right, so a show that did this successfully and they didn't go ahead and do movies, but was Arrested Development. All right. So they finished Arrested Development. It didn't get picked up. And then Netflix started doing original content. Mm -hmm. And Netflix funded for Ron Howard to continue like a new a new branch of Arrested Development, right? Yeah. And the new Arrested Development, although the structure of the stories feels a little bit more convoluted and all over the place, the humor is still there, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that still works. Whereas this, they tried to do a continuation, like you're saying, but they did it in a new format, but they kept everything else the same. So my theory is you watch through Psych, there's around 10 episodes, 10 to 12 episodes a season, and you don't like every episode. You love a lot of jokes in almost every episode, but you don't like every episode. It doesn't matter that much. You got eight, eight episodes in a season you you mildly like or you love. Mm-hmm. You, you write and prep and do a whole movie that's just an hour 20, hour you know 40, whatever, that is following the same format. Well, you might end up just doing a movie that is writ- that would be an episode that people don't like, but mm-hmm. you've put all this energy into like this feature film. Whereas before in TV format, you can what? just bypass it. What? Is it- yep. <laughs> just say something. No, no, no. I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs> Freaking, but instead you just sit there just. <laughs> it looks like you're over here about to have a, a uh, seizure. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. So it's it's just you you invest a lot of time, money, and energy into something that into a really long should just be that people aren't going to care for. It should just be a season. Like just if you want to bring Psych back, just give us another season. See if the audience is receptive to it. Right. Just put in the effort or to give us another if you're, season. If you're going to experiment with something, do I guess one of those reboot rerun spin-off things do sure. a do a serious dramatic spin-off you know eight episode series with gus that's yeah sure 
just do do something like that where it's where it's serious where he's working through uh legitimate problems no. depression something <laughs> josh was not interested if sean and gus are not in it then i think they should just end it well they, they're they always have, in it yeah they're they have to it. have both of but them i i think it would be more enjoyable to do something like that than to do a movie where they're both in it and nobody watches it. So here's the thing with Psych. I think just ended then. I think it yeah. doesn't matter what they create. There's probably a loyal twenty thousand. I would say so. That are diehard fans of Psych. It doesn't matter what's put out, right? Yeah. Twenty to forty thousand people. So even if it's not super successful, it doesn't matter because like Peacock, they're gonna put on their streamer and. It's the whole Netflix issue. You don't have to make the best thing because we're selling a library. We're not selling a movie. You know what I mean? So they can fund a movie that only a small amount of people like and really don't make much money off of it because it's just there's going to be thousands of people that enjoy this. And so it's not like a big money making business to do psych again. But this isn't like this isn't like a lot of the shows that people loved and then got canceled. Mm-hmm. This is a show that was on TV for a lot of years and ended. Finished and people loved finished it. Finished and people loved it. And that's why they that's, made the movies. So <laughs> it's it's more, I guess, embarrassing is not the right word. They just don't want to see it go away. They, just yeah, didn't, it, they ended on such a good note. They just want to parlay It's more annoying to, to keep to keep coming back. Right. Whereas, you know, there's, there's loyal fan bases – to other shows that were canceled or canned and never got resolution. Right. And those are the ones where people are like, we need a movie. We want more of this. We need to finish the story. Please, please do something. Those right. ones are the ones I feel like where you're you're in agreement. I don't need more of this. Right. I got I got it all. And I can rewatch an entire you story. Film. And you can, yeah, you can rewatch. How many seasons was there? Eight. Nine? Eight? I eight. think there was nine. Nope, eight. All right, eight seasons, we'll say. I think there's nine. We'll say eight seasons. That's a lot of episodes yeah. of just Sean and Gus Gold. And you don't even have to watch the movies. But you're right. I think we all kind of agree. Psych, the movies don't need to happen. Mm-hmm. If it feels like a burden to get this thing off the ground, don't bother. Just let it be what it is. We're going to keep watching Psych. We're going to do the rerun thing. We're never going to let it die. Eight. Whatever. We're never going to let the the love for Psych die, but the movies are not keeping that love here, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's organic. It's built in. It's built in. So you don't have to make a movie to remind us that we love Sean and Gus. That's all I have to say. So I think we were in agreement. Is that a good that a good Yeah. What if they did a arcane style 3D cell shaded yeah. super serious <laughs> finish it finish it cut with, the with, with cut the head off and Gus, get the, get the, and they cut live the in off. like uh and and they're kind of like Sherlock Holmes in steampunk uh no in steampunk San Francisco here's the thing i'm pretty sure it could be funny i'm pretty cool. sure the love for psych was the physical humor of Sean and Gus? Oh yeah, yes. and you that won't translate. In I'm just animation. saying, if 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 we, you're really gonna revamp it, go with something super modern. Sure, but it, people won't like it. <laughs> you don't know that. I know. I feel like I people could write, would like the I animation. could write something that would be interesting. 
people would like the animation, but it's not going to be Psych because people love Psych for these characters and how they interact with each other that wouldn't translate over animation that well. Mm, yeah. Yeah, but like I, I don't know. We, we I need think the you, subtleties. I think we could, need the. I think we need you could the, do something the face with on the animation. screen. It says, "Hi, my name is Lenny." You know, we need that kind of stuff. I think you can do something with animation that would be close to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could give it a go, and I'll watch it to see. But yeah. I don't think you could recapture. I think that you magic. could. The the body language would be different. It'd be difficult, but <laughs> it's not like nobody's ever done humor in cartoons before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think humor lands well? Kung Fu Panda is pretty freaking. It's funny. almost Kung like it's almost funny. like many cartoons started with humor. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. Yeah, Looney Tunes. The, it's it's hard. Yeah, that it started with humor though. It's not that something was live action. They went back to hu- to cartoon, or not back. They went to cartoon. I'm just saying. I think that's a better option then continuing just, to do live but stuff. But that, that still feels like a head. that still feels like a cool experimental episode inside of a season. Right. Not a movie. Not a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which they did a lot of that. They did like the clue. They did like the horror. They did like the teen wolf. They did a whole bunch of genres of episodes. This is, they never did an animated episode, did they? No. That didn't start happening. I guess that didn't really work for like the cop style shows. Not necessarily. No. But yeah. they, they did a lot of different fun genres of styles and themes for episodes that was kind of built around like popular movies or popular mm-hmm. genres of movies, which was fun. And uh, don't worry about Psych 4, James Roday, just let it let it drift away and we'll keep watching the show. You don't have to worry about the movie. It's not dead, it's just over. It's just over, that's it. it it's yeah. just- It's like Lord of the Rings. The, the book's it's, closed. It's we'll keep dead. reading the book. Yeah, we'll keep reading dead. the book. You just go back to the beginning and start over. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to keep adding to the end of the book. It's like, oh, I need more of these it's characters. Like, it's like, okay, imagine a book. You wrote a book and it's perfect. And then you decide to go to the end of the book and start stapling in new pages. New pages. On the end of, yeah. of a perfectly sealed and, and glued book. And, and one of those characters had a stroke. <laughs> I mean... Serious, I, it's harder to write it, <laughs> but <laughs> one of those kids. Yeah, it's reality and it's tough. But because you were stapling in new pages, people that is now part of the canon, right? Nah. That performance has to be part of the canon now. Because if it's you rip the them staples out, you rip up the good bits. Yeah, you mess up the book. So you got to leave you, it in. And then yeah, and then once you put it in, you can't tear it out because you have. Then you're like, oh, but you know, this is a really good analogy. He got to be in that. He got to be in that movie, right? You know, it's with all the other characters because we want you want that character. You right. want to see that character. It's it's a problem. Once you put it in, you can't take it out. That's right. It's it's That's a similar the issue thing. Star Wars is having. It's a similar thing with like race swapping legacy characters. Once you make a character. A different race you can't switch it back no. because then people are like hey hey mm-hmm. racists mm-hmm. 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 you're racist right you got to be careful with the race swap you got to be careful with adding new lore especially if your story is complete yeah mm-hmm. your story is complete don't add to it and i think that's one of the big issues star wars is having they're adding a bunch of new lore to something that was already kind of perfect you know what i mean it was kind of perfect with a few rough edges. Yeah, it had some rough edges, but people enjoyed people it. People enjoyed the rose rough edges. Now people are just 
saying like, it's like a garbage like, let's see what happens when we tack this on. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. More staples, more pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More money, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that. That's all that. So, um, before we move on to the next segment, which we are talking about Dune, by the way, and Joshua will be happy about it. Before we do that, Joshua, give a thanks to somebody. Thank you, Shelby. I don't even have to look at it. I know it's Shelby's week. <laughs> but you just You're really confident. You're really confident. No, he turned and looked at Joshua it. shows up with a welcome to the magical mandatory. He also does a transition. What a yeah. what what was the name you said? Shelby. No, he tried to do a psych transition. A psych transition. Yeah. What was the name? Gee Buttersnaps. <laughs> Gee Buttersnaps. And mm, then you think. you thank Shelby without even looking. You just knew. Born Hood. Born Hood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep going. That's from off the podcast. It's not funny. Don't don't explain. Uh, Shelby, thank you for joining the Patreon, and we sh- keep going, Joshua. Thank you for being a patron and. We appreciate all the support you've given us. If you want to be a Patreon, go check it out. We got a lot of exclusive stuff there, and you get the podcast early and everything. Catch you there. It's the best thing in the world to be a Patreon. Mm. It is. He thought war, what is it good for? He thought the, <laughs> he thought the lyric was born hood. <laughs> Instead of war. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. Phonetically, <laughs> like, I could see how you would make the Josh mistake. was like, we were watching a movie with a song, and it was, it, it, this one character was going like, born, born hood. hood. <laughs> and then we're like, the crap? What are you talking about, man? What you you said don't as, explain it. It's not as funny. You said don't explain it, so I felt the need to explain yeah, it. He said don't explain it. Otherwise, I said yeah, keep going. Yeah, but it's going. not funny. You can't explain a yeah. joke, and it's not funny. I ha- Well, I just did. And now if we say though. born hood in future episodes, now people, people will it. laugh. Because they're a part of the inside. I want I want other people to be. We'll start doing. I want people to be on the inside. Right. Our inside. He, and we'll start doing mugs <laughs> that says born, born hood. hood. <laughs> you know, we'll sell those on a shop. Three white guys selling mugs that say born hood. And no one, no context. <laughs> no context. Except for this episode. <laughs> and that's all that matters. We're also, wow. we got to sell a, a, a mug that says magical mandatory. At some point, just because it's—I mean, even past the midnight special, mm-hmm. it's Magical. it's lore at this point. Magical, it's mandatory. It lives so, on. Let's talk about Dune, everybody. All right. Ooh, good picture. Let's talk about Dune. Mm. I don't have a lot of pictures, and so this is what we're looking at. I like it. Uh, this is from the or the from Dune Part Two's poster. Mm. Uh, so I was—I've had a few conversations the past few weeks where there's talk of Dune Two, you know, because. It's getting hot on the internet. Dune's coming back. And I ask people, hey, what'd you think of Dune 1? You know, Dune Part 1. They're like, didn't watch it. Now, there's a handful of reasons. Some people said, it's not my thing. Some people said, I was told it was a complex story, Mm. so I need to read the book first. That's understandable. Mm. But you don't have to. So I thought we should talk about reasons why people should watch Dune. Not just read Dune, but Watch Dune. What that's that's something you a lot of people aren't talking about. Why should you watch Dune? And there's a whole bunch of reasons. I think we should share some thoughts on this. I would say my number one reason is nobody read Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. You watched it and you got to know the story. People got to know the story and got to know the characters through watching it. Right. 
Uh, I feel like a lot of what we do nowadays, because everything is a reboot or a remake or a redo, is it's like, what is this based on and how do I learn more? Or you could watch the movie and try to pick up on context clues. Yeah. And the the interesting thing about movies is they, they give you context if you pay attention. <laughs> yeah. This one, I would say there's portions of this that give unnecessary exposition and sometimes they don't give you exposition that you need. Yeah, but, like in the tent, there was one scene where Paul Atreides and his, his mom's in the tent and, you know, he gives her a little bit of water from his suit and he says, sweat and tears. It's like, we knew that. They said earlier, right. collects bodily fluids. Yeah. Yeah. But keep going. It's, it's, I think the movies have context clues. I think you can watch the movie and understand exactly what's going on. Yes. I don't think the movie was confusing because nobody knew, you don't know what's happening. I think it's confusing because people start thinking, what, what, I don't have any basis for what's going on. Right. If you pay attention, the story tells you what's happening. And the story is good. So mm. you can watch it a second time and fill in and the gaps. A, and it's a <laughs> it's a very basic story. Yeah. It's not that complicated. No. You just have to understand the – once you watch it through one time, you understand the world and you understand like the main characters. And you understand like the, the, the flow of events. You watch it through the second time and everything kind of falls into place. All the stuff you miss, the details that fills in all the holes and all the gaps. So you should watch Dune for those reasons. It is simple. You didn't watch Star Wars. That's how you put it. Or you didn't read you Star didn't Wars. You didn't read Star Wars. Well, people read it afterwards, but. Right, right. I, I was actually something similar to that. My thought was uh, this is a story that was the inspiration for Star Wars, one of the inspirations for Star Wars. And so if you want to see some concepts that Star Wars was built upon, mm. which became more of an iconic story that was globally loved, this is the story. I mean, this is what it – this is like one of the main life-giving roots that Star Wars was built upon, which you should – That's that's almost like – history books in some way mm -hmm. when it comes to story writing and lore and concepts. I mean, concepts of the chosen one, concepts of uh, Leto Atreides wanting to be a pilot, you know? Yeah. It, there's there's through lines that you see just mirrors or characters that are very similar in Star Wars. And that there's it's all over the place. And I think it's fun Easter eggs to just kind of pick up on. Um, some of the aspects you might enjoy if you enjoy filmmaking, this is a very visually pleasing movie. 100%. Beautiful. Okay. This is this is filmed by literally one of the best cinematographers in Hollywood yeah. working right Beautiful now. Beautiful movie. Greg Frazier. And and also just the aesthetic choices of Denis Villeneuve, the director. Mm. He does like this how, how would you describe it? There's a gothic tone to it. But a almost mysterious, ethereal, ethereal, large scale world building. That's uh, you saw it a different version of, but you saw kind of it in Blade Runner. You know, it wasn't as much in Prisoners, but the dark quality of the story in Prisoners leaks into stories like this, which creates a very interesting voice. I mean, like the whole all the scenes with the Benny Gesserit, the heaviness 
of those scenes reminds me of certain scenes with Prisoner with Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. That simple story from like a subdivision or whatever. Yeah, I'd say if you're going into it with that in mind, visually, I think you're going to enjoy the movie. Definitely. If, If you like dramas... It's a dramatic movie. One um, of the most epic scores, Hans epic Zimmer. Epic score. Ha- and, and this, and the cool thing, what Hans Zimmer's approach to this movie, <laughs> Hans Zimmer's approach to this movie was create music that this world would listen to. So he kind of abandoned a lot of structural concepts that we he would build for a normal film score, and he built a score that might be enjoyed or played by cultures of a, of a multi-planet universe. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating. And each culture has its own unique vibe and style. And, and it, you know, there's a lot of voices there too, but like not not languages, just sounds. I mean, no, it, it does have a lot of depth and it does have a lot of uh, like politics and backstory to it and very in-depth with the story in the book and all that, that is interesting to get and dive into the lore of it. Yes. Lore. So lore reasonings. I like that. Yeah. That's a good It's complex lore. It's thoughtful. Good lore. It's thoughtful. So if you're you're going into the movie thinking maybe the lore is too complex, maybe, maybe go read some portions of the book. I don't say go read the whole book, but read a snippet from the book. Get kind of a taste of it. Well, I mean, if, if someone's a fan of lore that's similar to like Lord of the Rings, your world building, mm. they're going to find enjoyment out of this lore as well. And you, there's so many YouTube videos you can watch. Yeah, we've done a few. this kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. it's all over the place. To tell you who the characters are. Articles, are. fandom, yeah. websites, all kinds of cool stuff. I would say watch the movie so that you can see who the characters are, who, who the families are, what the politics are going on. Then watch YouTube videos about the histories and everything. Right. It's if also, you're not somebody who likes to read the books. Okay, so there's another aspect of this with the action. So it's sci-fi, obviously. So there's action, nature. There's there's wars. There's fighting. Mm-hmm. And a, some people just tune in for that. You know what I mean? And so this does have a... There, there is a more of emotional storytelling side. And, and at least in part one, I think in part two, we're going to get a lot more war, a lot more action in, that, in yeah. that way. But we still get these epic battle scenes which if that's if that's also your thing i think that works as well and i i personally enjoy the battle scenes and and action i guess is that is that a correct word yeah, action, action for it? i think i appreciate it more in this style of of filmmaking as opposed to just kind of like i don't know what we see often it has you know a what purpose. i mean it has a purpose. It's also very stylized. Mm. Which, what what do you think about the stylized nature of action scenes? Because you you've you've had an issue with hyper stylization in the past. Um, well the the action in this isn't, I guess, what you would consider stylized action. It's pretty standard, like hand to hand combat type stuff. Yeah, with hand to hand stuff. But with, then you also have sci fi elements. But yeah. there's nothing like you would see in the Kingsman movies. Which is just no. kind of ridiculous. It's it's more just like knife fights. Yeah, uh, it's it's purposeful. The the fights have meaning. 
but also even just on the large scale, like when they're doing the bombing at night, you know, from the sky, mm-hmm. and the initial attack starts and they destroy all their warships. That is extremely stylized and very uh, artistically composed and and lit in a way to create an atmosphere. So, yeah, you are getting the close-up hand-to-hand just choreography, and that is thoughtful based on the characters and based on the houses and everything. There's a lot mm-hmm. of details to it. But also just with the nature of the world itself and how Denis Villeneuve shows his action. You know, it's it's a very specific way, at least when I think of it. I don't I don't see it like other films. It's it has a unique voice to it. You know, you don't usually think about what the action is going into one of his movies. You're how not, do you mean? You're almost not watching it for the action scenes like you would with oh, something right. else. It's like it's there, but that's not all yeah. the main it's, reason. It's just it's part of the story. Action happens as part of the story. It doesn't just happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because what, what, what what's an example of a movie that at, that fighting and action is the part of the story without something obvious like Fast and Furious? You know what I mean? I feel like it, Fast and Furious is the perfect example of yeah. Or action, I was going to say action John for Wick. action's sake. I would say John Wick's more pointed, but there I I would agree action for. It's literally guy kills my dog uh, f- so that we can do action. <laughs> mm. Well, what what's is there anything in the sci-fi world that kind of is more just actions for action? It would sake? be like Marvel stuff. Okay, yeah. It's like we need to have a fight scene. We need to have space battle stuff blow up here. Right. I mean, Alien. I would say there's one scene from Guardians, the third one that we watched. They have a fight scene in a hallway. Yeah. And then that's they 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 say this whole ship is crawling with you know aliens and and people trying to kill us have one fight scene in a hallway and then no more resistance. Like, <laughs> it's it's what I was saying that's earlier. That's action for action's sake. Yeah, and honestly, it was a cool scene. I enjoyed the scene. Well, immensely. from your guys' perspective, do you are you honestly watching a lot of movies for action? I feel like no. there's so not much these movies. Well, not no. not these movies, but just movies in general. Like you watch John, you'll watch John Wick. I watch John Wick. That's a very specific purpose for, for the that. action. Yeah, but yeah. but like these Marvel films, right? You're not watching for action anymore, are you? No, because it all looks the same. At the beginning, the action was unique. It was Iron Man doing something interesting. Thor Cap- doing something interesting. You know, they're all using their powers in interesting ways mm-hmm. uh, and, and being superheroes. And that's what the action was for. But then it got formulaic. Yeah. And then, and then you just... see the same action over and over again. And then Daredevil comes out and he's doing interesting stuff. And the, his action feels purposeful. Uh, now it just kind of feels all cookie cutter, same, yeah. same old, same old. I think it happened around Black Panther when they had these rubber characters, mm-hmm. do, so full CGI end climax fight scene. Yeah, completely CGI, and, and that's then, why you know Thor, me. Thor: The Dark World tried to do something, uh, you know, a little bit more emotional, and God. <laughs> uh, People, a lot of people don't like the Dark World. Movie. <laughs> well, a and lot then, of people don't like it, Love it and Thunder. It into, it Thor turned it into Thor. Ragnarok and Thor: Love and Thunder. Right. People were like, "We need wacky Thor. We want more wack." Even I've even said I wanted him to be more lighthearted. A more, little bit. I wanted more space adventure, less drama thing. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, ne- I never. Said that. I, like, I like the drama. I, I, I think you can have drama and space adventure. Do you think that with Gore, the Gore the God Butcher, like the way his story ended, that was like they they were trying something emotional that wasn't. They were trying, but they weren't getting it. They weren't landing with it. Yeah, if they had if they had taken a more dramatic <laughs> and less, um, you know, a, a cartoony comedy, mm-hmm. you know, you you can you, there is a middle ground. It's not all Dune or Guardians of the Galaxy as far as sci fi goes. One's, right, one's right. wacky. One is drama. Mm-hmm. There's, there is a middle ground. I think Star Wars kind of walks that line. It does. You know, of having fun and depends being, which which Star Wars movie having fun and being like emotional, mm. right? Um, whereas this is clearly an epic, a drama epic. Yes, and so actually, you know, I'm similar to Star Wars with this. So you have the a specific fighting style with the Jedi. Use specific weapons based mm-hmm. on specific abilities, and they train a specific way. Right. It's a it's like a warrior that's a unique warrior. It's the same kind of with the Fremen in some ways because they use a specific they use a knife that comes from the sandworms, the teeth of the sandworms. And they have a very specific style of fighting that's based around, you know, ancient generations of living in the desert and it cultivating them as people and their thoughts and their religions and everything. And so and each house has their own warriors. So you have who who are the warriors that fight for the empire? Uh, Sardaukar. The Sardaukar, yeah. yeah. So they are more just like the hardest of the hard warriors, and they're just built tough, similar to Ford the Harkonnen. Yeah, similar to the Harkonnen. They're just tough for tough sake. Uh, the Harkonnen are more cruel. Cruel, and yeah. but but it's like just toughness. But and then I you mean, have again with the lore. This the, all of these families have had. Like war history. Mm-hmm. And they all have their own way of doing war, warfare, and their own way of doing um, battle tactics mm-hmm. and, and different avenues. And I think that's cool because there's there's detail to the action. There's detail to the warfare. And so it's – I think it's just uh, – it adds to the story in a way that's a lot more complex than – than even something that's as on the nose as Jedi. You know what I mean? Jedi is like everyone kind of does warfare the same. You got blasters. You got- yeah, blasters <laughs> um, where all, all of our ships are for really close together in space for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Why in space are these ships so close together? And that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, then you got. I've read books where ship the ship combat is like light years away from each other Mm -hmm. those that's it's like naval warfare right it's interesting you know how they have to like it's like oh you know we got to anticipate missiles that are coming from so far away and they go by so fast and you know we got to almost anticipate oh that's that's space warfare and then thrown in the middle of that you have these you have this like religious group that battles with swords you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so it but it's like one unique thing whereas in dune each house has its own unique thing and you have this one religious group that you know sees you know that that are searching for a prophecy right so they're not sure if they believe in or not (laughs) you know what i mean oh no no, they believe in it they just they're the ones skeptical 
they're the ones that have to bring it about. It's right. almost like self-fulfilling. Yeah. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's like if someone tells you there's a prophecy, then you're going to, through your actions, subconsciously make it happen. No, their, their whole thing is we are making this thing. We're going to do it because it's yeah. supposed to happen. It's, ca- it, there's, it's called a selective breeding program. <laughs> but that's what the Benny Jesuit. Hoping, hope, Not yeah, with the, the Fremen. Ben, well, the, the Fremen are – their prophecy comes from the Benny Jesuit as well. Yes, the Benny Jesuit are the Implanted. chess players. Yeah. The Fremen are chess pieces. Right. And it's, it's a lot of religion stuff in this that I think is poignant. Right. Mm-hmm. And and beside and with all that said, <laughs> with all of that said, overall they're really striving to make this a quality film, which is different than there, there's only a handful of people really trying to make really good films right now, and we've named them constantly on this podcast. Yeah. But Denis Villeneuve with this series, um, most of the things that Greg Frazier that he's involved with are doing really good, like the Batman and mm. and part one and part two of this show. There's only a few that are really trying to make extremely good films that are worth going to theater to watch, that are worth the experience. And I think you should just watch it for that reason. There's I, really only probably three or four of them a year. You that's know what I mean? the biggest reason yeah. is they're making these to be movies that are worth going to the theater to see. Mm-hmm. And we talked about Guardians. is like, is it yeah. worth going to the movie theater? Maybe for some people... But probably not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, these movies are worth going to the movie theater. Just, mm-hmm. You know, and so that I think would be a big plus if you're thinking about watching the first one. Watch it so that you can go to the movie theater to see this one. Right. Um, and also I mean, similar to Chris Nolan, they're filming part two, 100% IMAX film. Mm-hmm. So that means it is IMAX approved. Yeah, you can watch it in IMAX. They, they're it's the true it for IMAX you to experience see it in the theater. Right. What was we saw an op? Was that a new Oppenheimer trailer that we saw? No, I think it's the one that we, that you guys reacted to last. Okay, it didn't feel. But it felt new. It, yeah, the uh, it felt Oppenheimer it felt, is coming. Oh, That's going to be exciting. Mm-hmm. I was just watching the trailer, Murphy having just a good. good time. Yeah, what watching for Oppenheimer? For Oppenheimer. The one that we've already seen a few times? I don't know. I th- it the felt one with new. the ticking in it, right? No. No, it did no, not it have didn't ticking. have ticking. No ticking. Well, I know there's there's a what is it the one we watched on so. on Reddit? I don't think so. I think this is a different trailer. Well, Oppenheimer they they've been keeping everything close to the chest as far as good, stuff. They have their own things showing to you in theater that's not released online. Mm-hmm. And they'll take you down if you try to find it and put it online. Mm-hmm. So, Oppenheimer, you know, you might have seen something unique and I haven't seen it yet cuz you yeah. guys went to the theater. Could have so. been a new trailer. Could have Did been. you guys see uh what Killian Murphy talking about working with Chris Nolan? No. no. He put out there was a whole it was like a um, paragraph or two of him just talking about. It's like, I told Chris, you know, anytime he wants me to be in a movie, <laughs> call me. He's like, I love working with him. I love being on set. Uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff he makes the kind of movies I want to be in. Right. And it was, uh, it was a really good, uh, like two or three paragraphs of him talking about his experience yeah. working on this, uh, and it made me even more excited. How much stuff has he been in for with Chris Nolan? He's been the the scarecrow for two Batman movies. Mm-hmm. No, he was the in the first third. one. 
Yeah, he was in the third. Yeah. He he was in a small role, second yeah. and third. It's kind of like a the big role in the guy. first. Um, he was in Inception. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that yep. was being incepted. Yep, incepted, incepted. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's I think that's it. That's it. I, I'm not in. I said it confidently, yeah. so that's it. You did. <laughs> uh, uh, freaking and what else? I think that might be it. Besides Oppenheimer. I don't. Yeah. Know. Yeah, I, that might. That's be, all I can. Think he wasn't of. in. Uh, Interstellar at all, I don't think. It wasn't in Prestige. Not Prestige. It wasn't in Memento. Mm-mm. Wasn't in Tenet. No. That was it. Yeah. Uh, but he's in Oppenheimer, so that's going to be... Lead. He's the lead in he's lead. This is his first lead uh, Chris Nolan film. And he's going to blow it out of the water. Oh, there was yeah. a lot of uh, big names. I was. I kept, I kept noticing in that trailer. Yeah. There's a, a lot, lot of, of big names. In, in what other people that we haven't mentioned yet that you noticed in Oppenheimer? Yeah. Oh man. Because like 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 a few weeks ago when I did the Oppenheimer versus Barbie, we did the the undeniable yeah. question. <laughs> the cast is undeniable. Oh man. Do you, you change keep, based keep, on? I don't think we mentioned it enough, but Emily Blunt is in there. Yeah. She's solid. That's right. We never talk about yeah. Emily Blunt being in Oppenheimer. She's, you know. She's one of the yeah. best female actors in the market. RDJ right is now. in there. I saw the kid Careful. from she did uh Mary Poppins. Returns. That doesn't matter. She did Mary Poppins Returns. Well, Jude Law did Peter Pan. Jude Law did Peter Pan. Russell Crowe did Noah. Okay, let's Everybody's be honest. Got a bad one. Let's do let's be honest. If you're gonna get a Mary person to play Mary Poppins. Emily Blunt's a good freaking pick. She's a good pick. Good pick. Good I British, guess. like bubbly lady. Uh, really good. Good. Good pick. Good. Good all around pick. I don't know the name of the guy who plays Huey from The Boys. He, I saw him in there. Yeah. Um, just good. Good stuff in that trailer. You, you need to watch the trailer. <laughs> the new one. The new uh, that one that we saw at the you theater. You probably can find it online somewhere. Good. It's Even probably on Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. Good. It, right now, well, if it's out in the movie it theater, it should be online pretty soon. Yeah. You well, not necessarily because remember, there's the IMAX not trailer that we watched on Reddit, and then we tried to upload our reaction. It got blocked, and then it got removed from Reddit like two days later because they found that someone posted it on Reddit. And Reddit doesn't have the copyright thing that YouTube does, so it takes a while if you upload it to Reddit. But they find you, and they'll get it rid of it. So I don't know. This is probably a similar situation. It's probably online, but it's going to be removed. Because mm-hmm. oh, it's meant for just the theater experience right now. I have to pee. All right. We got two more segments. I know. That's right, why I'm calling it now. Okay, going into the third segment we don't have to talk about this too long but i want to kind of cover for our own perspectives okay an interesting topic and it is religious related so the main idea is actors (laughs) actors who are christians in hollywood okay Mm -hmm. there's a lot of actors that profess christ belief in christ right Mm -hmm. um just to name a few i mean obviously you got chris pratt Yes. yes. You got Denzel Washington. You got okay. Justin Bieber. He's not really an actor, but he's acted in a few things. All right. Selena Gomez, she's doing less music, more shows these days, right? Carrie Underwood, she's a music star. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people, though, mm-hmm. that profess uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Sean Austin. Yeah. Uh, who's that dude who played on uh, played on 
the 18 kids movie they got they got not cheap by the dozen the other one yours mine and ours the new oh, one dennis quaid dennis quaid he's a christian there's a lot of people mr quaid the guy that was on friday who's not doing a friday chris too. tucker chris tucker there's a lot of people who are mr. actors Tuck. that are in hollywood some yeah. of them are in hollywood some of them have left hollywood mm-hmm. yeah because they profess to be christian so the problem, I think there's a there's a scenario that I think Christians always are talking about is like, how can an actor be in Hollywood, deep in Hollywood, and be accepted by Hollywood like Chris Pratt has? Do some of the movies and roles that are questionable and conduct themselves in a manner that are questionable, what's the dilemma here? And I want to hear your guys' thoughts. I think this is an interesting topic to get into. Because it is a dilemma. It really is. Because, you know, you look in Passengers. We had a, a butt, ha- half butt cheek sex scene with Jennifer <laughs> yeah. Lawrence uh, with Chris, Chris Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. But he, on his Instagram and any, any personal avenue that he puts online, he's very open about being a believer in Christ and going to church. And he has a, he has a church he goes to. He, he, whenever his pastor writes a book, he says, I'm reading my pastor's book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and he's always on Easter and stuff. He's always posting pictures of crosses and stuff at his farm. So there, that's a dilemma, you know? And not to say that necessarily cursing is a sin. Some yeah, circles he, it is. He <laughs> drops the F-bomb in Guardians. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. he, he curses a lot for his movies. I don't good, know if he if he curses moment. a lot if he curses a lot in moment. real life. What did uh, what what part was that? Open on? the door. He said, "Just open the door." Uh. <laughs> I don't know if he curses a lot in in real life, in his normal life, his personal life. But I mean, he's doing he's doing a lot of cursing for his roles. So, and this is just like because he's super popular right now, and he's also a Christian. You you can add anybody he's, to those lists. Denzel Washington. He's also gotten hate though. I I know he does get a lot of hate that. Someone at my work said they didn't like watching Chris Pratt stuff because of that. So he gets he gets the he gets the Christian the Christian uh, stiff arm mm-hmm. from a lot of people. Yeah, I wouldn't call that persecution. I would call that more of a stiff arming because it's not it's it's like maybe verbal persecution. Yeah, I think there were people who were review bombing Mario Brothers because they don't like his uh, religious stuff. Yeah. And so, so even if, all right, so then that's interesting. I want to tackle that as well. So if there's the dilemma there, what are you guys' thoughts on the dilemma? Also mixed with what are your thoughts on people who are anti-Christian actor? That's pretty wild too. And almost these questions, they don't, they aren't opposites, but it's like one is like, how does an actor who's a Christian handle it? And one is how are people who, are just trying to watch someone do mm-hmm. an acting job so critical because of their personal beliefs. You know what I mean? What are your thoughts on this? Surely you have thoughts. Um, I mean, it's always been interesting for like celebrities. We people want to get into their their lives, their drama, mm-hmm. and almost like you see that with every interview. And this is not religious, but they're like. Who you be dating these days, or something like that? Because they want to know. Is that all a black their... guy? I don't. I don't know. I wasn't doing like. A oh, person. okay. I just. You said who you be you dating? Who you be dating these days? <laughs> Except it was more like who you be dating these I days. I thought it was a good impression. Hey, keep going. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> um, so everybody wants to get into like celebrities' lives, 
and see what they're doing, you know, their drama and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was, if they're a good actor, why does it matter? Why does right. it matter? Mm-hmm. And I, I have the same take. I mean, oh, especially well, from... To an extent. I mean, are they Ezra Miller? Well, <laughs> I don't think Ezra Miller professes Christ. I mean, but I think Ezra person. Miller is in fact a criminal. Yeah, right. I think now I think that's different. Different I think kind different. of uh, different kind of. Whereas that's right. You know, Ezra Miller uh, professes uh, certain pronouns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't. I don't. I haven't read too much up on that. I don't know what uh, his they pronouns. I don't know what his pronouns are. Right. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was trying to use the pro- I'm not good oh, at it. Oh, okay. Don't worry about it. You uh, don't have to be good at it. But I think that's different. That's that's in a similar vein. Yeah. If you're – if that's that's part of your personal life, um, that shouldn't you – know, the same way that shouldn't affect how you see, you know, what he does in his as, – as a character. Yeah. Right. right character yeah. work is like it's a good performance it, it's emotionally and and physically and like everything sound mm-hmm. you know personal life doesn't matter as much as you know Ezra Miller's out there committing crimes mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're a Christian and you're out there committing crimes uh, yeah we're taking multiple things into account right not not just not just that you're a but criminal I, but i would also, agree with you know, what you say it shouldn't it shouldn't matter there. if your performance is good um so then the thought going into the dilemma for them personally mm-hmm. all right how do you accept roles and maybe like where do you kind of draw the line and say well i don't agree with these people Who's taken these roles, and how does a Christian, in your opinion, conduct themselves in Hollywood? I I think anything that falls under, um, what you, I guess, morally don't want people to see. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, okay, a, a shadowy sex scene between these characters that are alone for the rest of their lives on a ship. It's like, yeah, that works for the character, but you don't want to see. You, you may not want your character to do something extremely graphic or say something extremely graphic that goes against your uh, personal beliefs. Okay, right. I think there is a line that Chris Pratt probably won't cross. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- there's not going to be a, a brutal rape so- scene. Right, right. For okay. any of his characters. Probably I'm, not. I Probably guarantee not. if they say, here, your character is doing this, he's going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. But don't you think a, you know, a exposed butt sex scene with Jennifer mm. Lawrence isn't already crossing a moral line for Christian standards? Probably. Do you think, okay, and I personally don't think, uh, like, probably, I don't think cursing like the F word and all that is actually really crossing, because I think that's up for debate. However, if you say, like, GD, mm. that's that's taking it Here's in vain, I thing. think that is crossing the line. It, number one, they're, they're not having sex. Mm. And not arguably, arguably uh, obviously, he's not raping anybody. Right. In that scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're not having sex. You know, in real life, right? Um, 
He is showing his butt on camera. However, in humor scenarios, I'm okay with it. And it works for the characters. Right. This makes sense for these characters. Yeah. Who who haven't openly professed Christianity. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think he's probably like, yeah, this makes sense for the characters. Mm-hmm. That's probably fine versus the other scenario. Personally, I would have – if I was Chris and I'm you know, being Chris. wanted for this role. So you can make – you can make few, but you do have the option to make a couple demands. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe can we just go just torso. You know what I mean? Like side profile torso. I mean, maybe. Or I mean, be like, you know, I, we'll play footsies. <laughs> but I'll do some I'm sure that action. I'm sure that somebody, you know, was like, oh, Chris, there's going to be a sex scene. He's like, a sex scene? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, with Jennifer Lawrence? Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly. Do I get to show my butt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, so it, I don't know. So personally, so, there, there are people that aren't like Chris mm-hmm. that have chosen to take a very strict stance. I mean, look at someone like Kirk Cameron. Yeah. He left Hollywood yeah. because he became a Christian. He's only done Christian projects yeah. since, right? Mm-hmm. And even like in some of the Christian films that he did, he would only uh, kiss his wife on screen. Yeah, yeah. So there was like in Fireproof, it's a story about marriage. So at the end, they wanted to have a beautiful kissing scene. And there's only one but kissing scene. he in wasn't movie. going to kiss the actor. So they silhouetted it, and they they just doubled the female actor with his, with his actual wife. So this, the kiss happens in shadow, <laughs> and you can't yeah. make out who's the person. I, I that's we, that's, So that's a weird mm-hmm. argument. It's like, I get that's it. A, there, there's all spectrum of this. I understand. Know? It's like, I really don't want to kiss this other person. Because it's not my wife. It's like I get it. I'm acting, but also, I, you know, I don't want to do that. Okay, that's understandable. But I think this is. I don't want to sound like an idiot. So yeah. go ahead, say it. Say it. Uh, I think a lot of people see Christianity on a spectrum. They do. Yes, I would hundred percent. Kirk agree. Cameron versus Chris Pratt on a bell curve. <laughs> okay. okay 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 so christian guy who does mild sex scenes and curses a lot in his films versus Kirk i wouldn't Cameron say curses who a lot curses every now and then yeah i don't know there's been a few films that he's cursed quite a bit i don't think personally are we are we saying like cursing is a problem are we saying like no <laughs> here's the thing here's the thing i i said it before i'll repeat myself i don't think like those what we consider hard language mm. as really that I think it's debatable to call that. A oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's more uh, like saying Jesus Christ or saying, G-E. yeah, yeah, I think that's in more a negative connotation of where the yeah, blasphemy comes. Right. In. Well, I think, I, I, I think using I think using the F-bomb, uh, there's an argument for it. Uh, sure. I think there's an argument. I think there's an argument, a hard argument for it. Mm-hmm. Um. Of, of but it's not, not as clear. It's not as clear as some of the others. Yeah, sure. no, I would agree. But I think on that, I think on that bell curve, okay. <laughs> there's bell not. Curve I think Denzel Washington's right at the top of the bell because he he What's does at the top. I'm done. He just does violent and he does mild cursing, 
No, he, Denzel does hard curses. Okay, he does hard yeah. curses. And hard yeah. violence. Yeah. I, okay. Have you seen so Training violence? Day? Have you seen The Equalizer? I have seen The Equalizer. Training Day. Okay. But it training hasn't been a day. minute. Training Day. I don't think I've seen Training Day. Training Day. Okay, so, so all right. Where would you put Denzel Washington? Beyond Chris? I, I would beyond say, Chris. I would say a little beyond Chris. But really? No. So oh, okay. the bell curve's further down the road. Chris ain't on the other end. Yeah. Also, you know. I don't know. know. I don't want to rank where people are. I don't know where they are. I, I, I'm, I'm, not saying, I, I'm saying the bell curve is an imaginary thing the that spectrum. I think a lot of people, the spectrum is, I don't think there should be a spectrum. Okay. But I think if you're, if this is what he's pursuing, mm-hmm. as an actor, you know, he, I'm sure has his own line mm-hmm. and that he won't cross. And so I, I think it's kind of up to him. Right. If he's if he can, I guess justify how this fits within his faith. You know, and he is a Christian. Yeah, that is for him to practice yeah. his faith. That's the, it's, in it's that up manner. To, he's practicing his faith in the manner he sees in the manner as, he as sees correct. Fit. Yeah. All right. That that makes sense, and and I agree with you. So looking at it from a different perspective, uh, the Hollywood system is very anti-Christian. Yeah. And then but you have a lot of people who are Christians a part of it. And in a lot of ways like you're saying even people outside of it mm. don't want Christians in Hollywood because they don't like the fact that they're being entertained by people who believe in Christ. Yeah. So do you think that is going to it's already a dilemma. It's already like a rub, right? Mm. And the fact even with Chris how People were hating on him, and it took like almost every person who's acted with him in a Marvel movie to like come to his defense and be like, "He's a great guy." Because I think they tried to cancel. They him did. Or something. They did. And uh, it was really messed up. I mean, it took Robert Downey Jr. and a bunch of people to, mm. to defend him. However, the Hollywood system doesn't like Christians. Is it even going to be possible to be a Christian and get work in the future? Like as it, we continue going down this road. Only time can tell. It shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't. But but, but it's it's Hollywood for, to make that decision. Yeah. We're talking about a lot of executives that definitely probably do not profess faith in Christ. Yeah. Right. You know. Oh, it's uh, it's gonna. We already see it. There's personal biases in everything that is made nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know it shouldn't be that way. We should look at it in the same way that we look at, um, you know. Uh, sexual sexual identity mm-hmm. you know nobody's like oh I, I can't maybe some people can't <laughs> watch the Lord of the Rings because of Sir Ian McKellen's uh, yeah. sexual identity sure uh, but it's you know as an actor playing a character he's doing an incredible job yeah and honestly Sir Ian McKellen doesn't matter that he's gay he's a really awesome dude I'm sure yeah I'm sure he's really kind in person He's a really probably great and, person. Or he just maybe has, he's not kind in person. Maybe not. But we know that we also he got, know he that got knighted though. Christian Bale's like yelling at people on set. Right. It's like we we all you know people talk about separating the artist from the art. Mm-hmm. I think you have to do that a lot of time. And the problem is the people that are making a lot of the art possible, not necessarily the people that are making the art. Right. But the people art who are possible. making the art possible, the executives and the people things, with money. The people with money are making sure that um people's personal biases and identities and politics are being inserted. Yeah. People who are 
not in charge of making the movies possible. People just, you know, doing whatever. The grip. The, the, the creatives. Okay. That aren't. The DP. Um, yeah. Right. Those, they're, the executives are allowing them to push whatever they want to push. Yeah. And, you know. So, like, the directors you're talking about? I'm talking about anybody. Mostly, Any- probably mostly writing. So, writers, producers, directors. Writers, producers. Any, anybody who's making stuff, mm-hmm. It's it seems like it's more for the ideology stuff. Right, right. But that wouldn't that wouldn't come into play if the executives weren't allowing that to happen. True. And in fact, the executives are the ones who are pushing. Yeah, they for do those they things. do be pushing. And although and, and every... I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't enjoy it if people were pushing for entirely religious or Christianity uh, or right-wing ideologies in movies. Right. If, right. if 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 the roles were flipped. I mean, I'm we sure have that, and it's outside of the it. Hollywood system. It's yeah. called Pure Flix, and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure, yeah, a lot of people yeah. aren't going to enjoy that. No. So, but they, like, Netflix as a studio, and all the studios, but especially Netflix, they love pushing the acceptance of every single belief system mm-hmm. or identity or uh, kind Any, of woke the wild nerd. ones, the crazy ones, and yeah. and even even ones that are super strict just aren't based in you, Christ, like Muslims and stuff. Yeah, they're they, seeing the wild ones, or is that a movie? Not the way the wild things are. Oh, I I thought you were talking about a specific movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. the wild belief systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're but, very but, happy. But you're to right. Push Any that. belief system other than Christianity. Well, they're they're putting a lot of Christian Christian stuff. Mm in the films but it's always from the negative or just these are kind of the dummies of the story you know what i mean these are the gullibles of the story yeah like just always a negative or or, evils or the evils there's a lot of christian villains you know i mean there was a whole last of us episode where they decided to make a pedophile cannibal also a religious christian leader Mm -hmm. it's like that's crazy man you didn't have to do that bit that's very insulting to people who believe in Jesus because we're not cannibals you or pedophiles. Because you wouldn't do it to a Muslim person. Oh, no. That would be blasphemy. They that, couldn't, would, yeah. that literally wouldn't happen. They're scared of getting blown up. <laughs> I mean, it might happen. All right. I got to stop putting the location of our studio on these videos. <laughs> Never put the location of our no, studio I put, on I put the, the videos. I put the city in there. I don't put oh, our, our okay. address. Not our address. Come find us. <laughs> Somewhere no. in the city. Um and so the dilemma is, I think personally, I don't think we you don't. you put you you made a good point. Mm. Yeah, he is doing what he believes is in accordance with his faith that doesn't violate it, mm-hmm. and his standard might be different because I believe he did come to faith later in life. Yeah, so he wasn't raised necessarily. I don't believe in a Southern Baptist church. Southern Baptist church, <laughs> exactly. Woo! So his his. Uh, that's His a, lines are gonna are just gonna be life. placed differently, you yeah. know, and and it is it is ultimately it the the good thing about Christianity is that it is very personal, mm-hmm. and so your conduct you answer to directly to God. That's mm-hmm. what you believe, and uh, other people aren't necessarily held accountable for your conduct. No, so not that for means your conduct. that means no. it's uh it's between you and God. You know yeah, what I mean? so. And I, I, we mentioned um, 
Denzel a bunch. Yeah. And I feel like I, we would be remiss if we didn't, you know, say, you know, thoughts and prayers for Denzel. Was, What's going on with Denzel? He had going? a stroke. I didn't know what? that. Yeah. He had a stroke and has been in the hospital for, I don't know if when this comes out, if he'll still be in the hospital, but when I was looking at it today, they were saying he was still in the hospital. There yeah, was a year ago that either. someone at work was doing a, an interview piece and they interviewed Denzel. I was able yeah. to film that. Yeah. You interviewed? I mean, you. It was him. over a video call. Like they put oh. him up on a screen, but he was talking to him, and I was so filming cool. the screen that he it was talking cool to. It would have been cool to see him in person. Yeah. It would be, and he has been to the studios that I yeah, work at. Yeah, he was filming a person. movie, and he had a they only heart do attack or a stroke or something. That sucks, man. Wow. But, anyways, uh, short film. That's right. Uh, before we finish, there's a short film I want to review really quickly. Hmm. Um, it's called Yana. Yona. Yana. It's this is a. A Cherokee word for bear, and it, it doesn't it doesn't have a gender specific. You know, some languages have are gender specific, mm -hmm. like uh, Spanish. Everything's either male or female. This is not defined as either male or female. It's just bear. Period. Okay. So, um, I and and it, I don't know if you guys saw in the film how that played into it because I didn't really see that. I did not either. So I don't know why this title was chosen. I thought there was real significance to it, which there might be. You have a picture? Yeah, I got a handful of pictures. So this is an animated short. It's about five minutes long. It's a beautifully animated short. And it's I it's almost say. like a it's almost like a nine frame rate mm -hmm. kind of yeah. film. It's very kind of like bop 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 bop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's very like bop, 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 bop. it's not twenty four. You can see all of the. You can almost see individual pictures. I'm sure it wasn't created that way, but it was it was it was designed that way. And I think that's really cool. This is interesting because uh he makes a decision. And it's I I this short film clearly there's commentary mm -hmm. here uh about the the native peoples <clears throat> and about the um colonial colonialists mm -hmm. yeah but i think more more than that it's about a man who makes a decision mm -hmm. right um and who's made lots of similar decisions what would uh i mean animated films they always are trying to push stuff and it can be very loosely based what mm -hmm. what'd you get out of it with that decision he made it i don't know if this is like what the whole thing was about but it felt very when he he goes down with the knife mm -hmm. and he looks into the guy's eyes and you can see on his face it's like he doesn't want to yes yes but he hardens him his heart and does it anyway yeah I think that's the important part of this. The rest of it is, you know, ethereal almost. Yeah, I'm coming to the terms of that. Right. But that is the core part of this short is – it's He feels the burden of his actions. I, I think it's more than that. It's the like lives he, he took. He knows he's wrong. Right, right. And I think what they're trying to say is like – Probably most people who were committing violent acts like this mm -hmm. probably knew they were wrong. Right, like, right. Anybody who commits an act like that, uh, especially when you're so close to somebody oh, looking yeah. at them, you are making a choice that you, you know, maybe you can justify it. 
for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But, you know, whether you were whether you were on his side or whether you're on the other side, you still have to justify the decision to take the life. Right. Because you're still taking a human life. And the, the cool thing that I think this film is trying to capture, uh, to summarize kind of what you're saying, is that he is he is dealing with the burden of taking life knowing deep inside that he knows it's wrong and he does have to face that in the moments before he himself dies. Mm-hmm. He has yeah. to face that burden and he and it, it's an interesting way of showing it. It's almost like a, a spirit or like a version of death from the yeah. people he's been killing. Mm-hmm. Kind of, and almost shows in a, in, a, in a picture over here before I, I want to bring this up. This is the character. In this moment, right before he, he gets killed, right? Yeah. What do you see in that face? It's almost just like pity, you know? The way they designed that that scene Maybe. in this kind of white um, void space right before he dies, I almost felt like this spiritual death being almost looked at him even though they're in a sea of bodies that he's killed. He, yeah, it kind of he felt like he just felt pity on this guy. You I don't know, know what I mean? if it was pity. I didn't get pity, but maybe it was. I I only watched it once. Um, but yes, it definitely that he was in the sea of bodies of like uh, uh, native people that were killed by him and other people that he was with. I think all of this, if I were to get really super uh, nerdy with it, go for it. I would say the whole thing is the. You know, he's already dying. He's got several arrows in his back. His shoulder's been cleaved open. This is a hallucination that he's having yeah. of justice that he knows should come to him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees a dark being that looms before him the same way he loomed before um, the other man. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he, he, you know, falls into a bright place, which he feels like at the beginning maybe he should be here he, so there's that badge of like valor right so what you're saying is like his sins of killing the people are taking him away to death no i'm saying he's this is all rational yeah this is all this is him working through the rationale in a in a hallucination yeah he fall he's like i die this creature kills me i die i go to this place that where i get justice what is justice it's bright. It's in this Justice. nice room. It's mm-hmm. this valor badge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then as he contemplates further, he realizes this is justice. All of these right. people that I've killed. Yeah. Not this. He throws it away. He sees who he's been killing. Mm-hmm. Right. And and he sees the same thing that that person he killed saw. Yeah. With him. And you almost it, it makes me almost wonder what did that you know native man see did he see a similar vision Mm, right maybe um it's almost like a cycle yeah is it cyclical because at the very end at the very end i mean he's getting killed in in front of a tree just like the tree by by a native person that's that's cut that's just mirroring the situation the same knife with the same knife and he kills the native person and walks sort of walks off they kill him and sort of walk off right uh it's yeah, I, I I see it more as his kind of coming to terms with what he did, yeah, mm-hmm. right, and what justice is there for him, 
Mm-hmm. It's the knife in the stomach. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and also kind of just look at it as a as a as a commentary mm. for history. You know, mm. a, you know, native and colonial history. It's almost like it, it almost does just represent this circular pattern of unnecessary killing, of unnecessary violence, where it's just like we kill them. And then they kill us. And it, it almost shows us that picture. And that's kind of an interesting but simple concept to just show it. Same atmosphere, same in front of a tree, same scenario. It's just like back and forth, back and forth. And it's yeah. like a circle, that a pattern that doesn't stop, you know? Outside of the story that it's telling, it was visually good. I know you said it was... Uh... A lot of the, cool colors. The frame was a little bit weird, but it felt like yeah. like nine the col- frames the colors a second good. or something. Um, it we talked about this before the podcast uh, about how just it's becoming almost a trend now to do these, you know, very almost indie style um, animated films, short animated films, and that was ultimately what this was you know yeah. another love death and love robots. De- i i love uh, seeing i'm glad that it's not just love death and robots that's doing this yeah it's a lot of people that we're seeing the trend so now. much animation i mean look at all this animation yeah <laughs> did you <laughs> oh i didn't <laughs> it was just the rock as as maui <laughs> yeah that screen culture doing that all the time screen culture is really trolling everybody are people watching screen culture I don't stuff? Know. I think I they know. are. I they you look at their views, bro. Yeah. They'll throw up The Rock as Moana. It's just like a fake trailer, mm-hmm. and it has like fourteen million views. But I mean, this frame, you know, him and his boys are there. They kill this guy, and then the last frame, it's an it's a similar image. It's it's a native person with his boys. Yeah. And they stab him. Right. I think it's a more... No. Oh. He gets stabbed. Maybe he's not with his boys. He is with his boys. boys. (laughs) And look, see the color contrast? In the the beginning, it was very red you know evening colors and now it's dark colors yeah, yeah well it's 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 all, it's it's pinks versus blues is there one of, of the native blue. uh against the tree kind of lonesome this guy right forward here. go forward a little just a tiny bit. or is it him against the tree at the beginning yeah there's like, there's the there's a color contrast the where it's red behind the tree and then at the end it's blue behind the tree mm-hmm. let's see no no i just dislike that scene okay that's it yeah, that's. I don't think we get a wide. Wait, yeah, we do. So there's blue in the tree, yeah. um, but I, as I it know. zooms in on him, it sort of fades into the night scenes. Right, and it, there there's a lot of cool shading. There, they almost did like brush strokes, you mm-hmm. know, through the animation style. And this, it's just a wild, really beautiful short film. It's only five minutes and thirty seconds with credits, so you yeah. can watch this right now. Just look up uh, Yana, Y-O-N-A, short film on YouTube. Yeah. It'll come right up. But, I mean, they kind of tell the same story in spirit, so. Well, I was going to say this felt like the um, campment scene in Hidalgo. Yeah. Hidalgo. What do you, wait, which, oh, 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 I know what you mean. At the very beginning. Yeah, when he goes, he delivers the letter, and then he leaves, and then he comes back and everybody's dead because he realized that the letter was like 
orders he, orders to kill, to kill. Yeah. yeah 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 trail of tears stuff that's All the trail a, of that's tears a dark stuff period dark. of time yeah. and everyone everyone came out of that who who lived just emotionally burdened for mm-hmm. life yeah. i'm sure i mean, in, uh, I mean they told it pretty, really well in hidalgo because he his mom was yeah. Oh yeah, his mom was half Cherokee because he can speak the language. Yes. There's a lot of cool details about Hidalgo. Yeah, I forget. It's fun fun mm-hmm. movie. It's a fun movie. Uh, Freaking and then Vigo Morkin Vigo Morkin Vigo Morkinson. Did you guys watch? Uh, yeah. Vigo was on that Ron Ron Howard film about saving the kids out of the um, the 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 they were trapped in a cave. <laughs> Was it, it was like thirteen something? Yes, thirteen lives. I heard that was no, really good. I watched it and a it, while ago, dude. And Vigo's like the main diver, and he, he plays one of the main divers because the real life story is the seals yeah. couldn't get him out. Mm-hmm. They had to get trained divers because you, they Somebody had to with dive. Thumbs. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, seals don't have thumbs. Yeah. And what they and what it's they funny. had to do was they had to um, they had to actually. Because the the whole trip, the whole dive, it was five hours of underwater cave That's travel. Crazy. Oh, cave travel! Cave travel! Yikes! Very tight. So they have their oxygen tanks and everything. And the oh, problem yeah, is, watch you can't. Watch. You can't. Yeah, and the crazy thing that. is, you cannot put a mask on a kid because even the, the the seals try to do it, they would freak out and panic, and they would use all their oxygen. And then you would be in the middle of a cave and you can't get out Mm -hmm. because you're stuck in this five-hour travel period at a decent pace. So what they had to do in order to get the kids out, they had to sedate them, then put on the mask. And they're dragging kids who are passed out by drugs five hours through these tunnels. through caves. Thirteen kids. A group of four guys. Wow. Thirteen kids. They did it over the course of like four days, I think. Was he? Uh, I bet or you like they, two weeks. You know, or they have their crazy like that. their radios talking to each other as they're go- traveling. No, they don't have radios when they're diving. When they're diving, they don't have radios. In oh. fact, they're actually not even like doing it in groups. They're 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 like one person's going, letting them get away, and then the next person's going, letting them get away. Well, so he probably had to. He Vigo's probably like oh, little brother, dude. You, know, you got to watch it. Ron Howard directed it, and so it's yeah. kind of it has kind of like this man on the street with a camera style to the filmmaking mm. you gotta watch it man it's okay. really freaking Maybe. good 13, what is it called? 13 lives i think it's on amazon lives. prime okay well watch that and also check us out on monday nights monday all weekend <laughs> yeah for the lives, the lives. on the studio channel Video.